smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Coming up in Le Bourget, Monaco, raw back from two goals down to beat Paris Saint-Germain 3-2. We ask, is Thomas Tuchel under pressure and will Robbie Thompson self-combust if the Capital Club failed to beat Leipzig on Tuesday? Jonathan David is up and running as a Yusuf Yazidji-inspired Lille surge back up to second. Lyon and Montpellier are also in the mix, but Rennes slump is now getting serious as Brest claim that they're best in Brittany after another stylish triumph. Joining me um, on the pod, the official League Anubaris podcast in association with BT Sport, Robbie Thompson. Good morning, Robbie. Matthew, how are you going? Very excited. I'm very well. Sorry, am I talking too fast? It's, no, the, no, it's, it's the excellent it's coffee. We're, it's the excellent we're all coffee. ready to go. I feel it. I feel the energy. There's a lot of energy because we've had another cracking weekend in, uh, in Ligue 1. Sometimes after the international break... We see teams a bit rusty, but uh, a lot of goals, a lot of excitement. Armel, I, I assume you took in all of the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just watched a lot of it, and it was uh, enjoyable this weekend. But if 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 some teams are not looking rusty, it generally means other teams are looking rusty as well. Oh, here we go. Excuses are in early no, 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 no. Just saying, there has been some fantastic results. Listen, I I, I agree, <laughs> but I also think we can't have everything. I was I was in the car listening to the. Um, the first half of Montpellier Strasbourg, it was three three at half time. Montpellier won four three, and the commentators were talking about the defending being being very bad. and And I think it was at times, but often we say, "Oh, that you know the games are too are too closed, they're too tight, there there are not enough goals." So you know you can't have everything. And we're seeing a lot of uh, spectacular football at the moment. Um, it kicked off on Friday night with uh, Rennes against Bordeaux. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're going to start with the second game on Friday night. It was uh, Monaco versus Paris Saint-Germain and uh, Robbie Thompson commentated this big match at the Stade louis II. And now with Di Maria, the early pass for Mbappe is a good one. Look at the pace of Kylian Mbappe. Oh, and he scored. Too much pace for Axel de Sassi. And Mbappe, who scored twice here last season, has opened the scoring. Di Maria for Keane. Rafinha. Oh, beautifully done. Di Maria back for Rafinha. Lovely play. Cross to the back post. It's a penalty, surely it is. Mbappe scores from the spot. And Paris Saint-Germain lead Monaco by two goals to nil. Fabregas involved. Well played again with... Jelson Martins now. The Portugal international. He gets it back. Jelson Martins. Surely now. And Kevin Folland. Monaco have their goal and trail by one. Game on. Germany in behind for Fabregas. And Folland has his second. Abdou Diallo. Oh, he slipped. Diallo slipped. And now Folland. Penalty. What a mistake from Abdou Diallo. Kaylor Navas has only faced one penalty in Ligue 1 this season and he saved it. Now Fabregas. 
He scores! Navas went the right way, but it was too well struck by Cesc Fabregas. Robbie, a game packed with incident, full of excitement. PSG 2-0 up, could have been 3-4-0 up um, before half-time. But Monaco, to their credit, um, really improved uh, in the second half. A little tactical change from uh, Robert Kovac, who, sorry, Nico yeah. Kovac, sorry, who took off uh, gerbils and sent Fabregas on, changed things a bit, pushed Kevin Volland into the centre-forward position. Monaco overall coming back to win 3-2 and deservedly so, would you say? It was a game of two halves, no doubt about that. Sorry, are we allowed, not allowed to say that sort of thing? Look, um... PSG came into the match on a very good run in the league, looking for nine wins in a row. They could have almost won the league, not really, but you know, if they'd taken another three points, they would have been very a long way clear at the top provisionally. Um, I don't know whether that had an impact on their second half performance when they were up 2-0. Kylian Mbappe with a double took his tally for Paris Saint-Germain to 99 goals. Um, thought he'd got the 100, had his little celebration prepared as well, which he did to the camera only... To, to find that it had been ruled out for offside. Um, Moise Keane had a goal as well in that first half, ruled off. He also hit the crossbar with a header. I mean, Monaco were the Monaco side that we saw against Lyon a few weeks ago, um, that we saw against Montpellier that dominated possession but just didn't have anything going forward in, in the first half. They were without Wissam Benyetta, COVID tested as well. But as you say, second half completely changed the game. Cesc Fabregas... Fantastic when he came on, but I've got a lot of time for Cesc Fabregas and I think he's been unfairly treated since he's been in France by a lot of criticism because what he brings to that Monaco side is not just running around like a headless chicken with, with fitness and, and, and fresh legs. He brings a lot of brains to that Monaco midfield. And Niko Kovac is an intelligent coach and it's good to see someone coming and mixing it and deciding to take Paris Saint-Germain on at their own game. And... They scored three goals. Paris Saint-Germain only scored two. So I guess you say they deserved it. Yeah, Kovac, Armel, he's, he's doing a good job. It's three wins in a row for Monaco. They moved provisionally up to second uh, with that victory. And, it, you know, it's, it's a very young side that he's got, especially if you're starting without Fabregas. Um, he didn't have Ben Yedder, didn't have Benjamin Lecomte, didn't have... Uh, France international, Ruben Aguilar. Aguilar was, been, yeah. Aguilar was out. Golovin's been out for a while. So, mm-hmm. yes, PSG were missing players, but so were Monaco. Um, and Kovac, in his, in his own sort of calm way, he seems to have installed uh, this sort of composure maybe that Monaco have been lacking in recent times. Definitely. I mean, from a more neutral perspective, a neutral view on that game, I think uh, Monaco were very good throughout. And had they not faced a Kylian Mbappe in the first half, it had been a totally different result. Granted, um, they... Basically, they were lacking someone in midfield who gave confidence to the rest of the team. Fabregas brought that when he came on in the second half, asking for the ball, keeping it under pressure and creative in his passing in the first half when it was, uh, was it Fofana, Chouameni? Chouameni, yeah. I think Chouameni in particular was looked a little bit lost because Fofana is a, is an, is a fine player. So is Chouameni, but they're just... They weren't proactive. It, it was their decision making mm. for me, whereas Fabregas just really offered an outlet and it, it gave uh, Nico Kovac's game plans purpose. And I thought I thought Monaco um, fully deserved the win. And I think if there was a, a debate about who Nico Kovac's first choice left back was, well, it was fully sorted in that game because Fode Balotore was awful. 
And at half time, Caio Henrique came on and he was the opposite side of the spectrum. He was brilliant. But how about Chrislen Matsima at right back as well? 18 year old in like his fourth league yeah. match. Mm. Brilliant. I mean, Monaco have a, a lot of very good young players as well. Their, their back line, they've got kids at the back, mm. in Valia Shili and in, well, Disazi's a little bit older, but captain at 22. I mean, they're, they've got some very talented young players. How good, Robbie, is, is Kevin Volland, the German international? He's scored, he scored now two doubles, four goals in his last three appearances for Monaco. Uh, he, he was a solid and impressive Bundesliga performer for, for many years with Hoffenheim and Leverkusen. He had a bad injury, um, I think, in his final season or perhaps just before his final season with, with Leverkusen and it, it didn't finish that well. And there were question marks had he, as he sort of lost the edge to his game. He's 28 now, Kevin Volland. Do you, do you see him as being the top signing that Monaco needed and perhaps someone who can complement Ben Yedder in attack? I don't think he re- he's the new Islam Slimani who they had last season, who was really the perfect foil for, for Wissam Ben Yedder. He's not, he's, He's a, I wouldn't say a similar player to Ben Yedder either, but he more so than Slimani, obviously. But he, I'm not convinced that he is that player. I think Niko Kovac hasn't been playing Folland a lot in his preferred position, which is through the middle in that number nine role, because Ben Yedder is there. So Folland has been playing as um, wide in a front three. Um, he started this game playing just behind Willem Gerbils. Gerbils came off at halftime and Folland went into that number nine position. Um, look, it's an option. It's another option for Kovac if Ben Yedder isn't there, but I still think Ben Yedder's your first choice through the middle and I don't think they're necessarily complementary together on the pitch. We saw just how smart he is, though, when he won that penalty as a left-footed player, knowing he wasn't going to hit it right-footed, just getting his body between Diallo and the ball. It was... That's top, top play. Yeah, pretty awful, pretty awful from Abdou Diallo. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more but about... I think his finish for the first goal at seven minutes into the second half was superb as well. The ball luckily ricocheted to him a little bit. Mm. He's there one-on-one. He's got a defender in the goalkeeper and he just does a little dummy, puts Kalon Navas on the ground and then opens up the whole other side of the goal. It was a very cool finish and instinctive. And yeah, that, that's full of promise. I was going to say we'll talk about PSG's failings uh, in just a moment because there were some failings on on Friday night. But first, we're going to hear from Kylian Mbappe. Um, our man Robbie Thompson had the pleasure of talking to the top scorer in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. He has nine goals now, returned from injury, played uh, a few minutes with uh, France in midweek, started the game against Monaco, two goals uh, in the first half. And it was interesting, he was telling Robbie again about um, his his evolution as a footballer and how he feels that he is he is better now in terms of his stats and why um, why he's much more consistent in terms of goals and assists. Let's hear from from Killian. I think I need to improve. I see it more and more. I'm not perfect. There are matches I haven't played well in, but I think that compared to before, when I just arrived here, I think we can see the difference. I don't need to be in top form and feeling good now to be decisive. I know how to stay focused in a match, whereas before I had to feel good in order to make an impact. Now I know that you have to stay focused for 90 minutes because you can do something with just one action. But I also think that you have to play with the others. You don't win on your own, and that's the most important thing to remember in a team sport. 
It's not perfect yet, because I'm a striker, and I've always been taught and educated that a striker has to be selfish, because a striker is a special position, like goalkeeper is special. We're in our own bubble. The average person doesn't understand the state of mind of a striker, so that's why people often say they're selfish. But I try to work on myself, because to win a match you have to be 11, even 13 and 14 with the changes. So that's how it is, you have to be open to others, to make others shine as well. It's as important as shining yourself. Robbie, you uh, you, ha you met Killian in, uh, in fairly relaxed mood, and it was interesting, I thought, what he was saying, just about uh, how these days, you know, he can, even on an off day, he's managing to score goals, because he's just not... He doesn't drift out of the game. That's something he's talked about quite a bit. He said when he started out at Monaco, he watches games when he was he was playing for Monaco and he thinks, Where, where's Killian gone? You know, he disappeared out of games and he feels he doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, I think there's a certain maturity and I think he, I think he spends a lot of time thinking about his game as well and ways to improve his game. He, he is that good on the field that he can also take a step back and analyse because he, he doesn't put himself under pressure analysing himself. He doesn't... Looking at his performances that are so precocious in, the, in, the, in the, the world of football, I mean, he's got 19 Champions League goals. If he, He's got 99 goals for Paris Saint-Germain. He'll become the fastest player to score 20 league, uh, Champions League goals, fastest player to score 100 goals for, for Paris Saint-Germain. He's only 21 years of age, soon to be 22 it allows him to take a look back and say, well, you know, actually, this part of my game needs improvement. I, I need to do this differently. And that's something that if you're, if you're struggling to be in the first team that you can't always do. So he's matured. He's matured and he he's looks at his game now and he thinks, my decision-making needs to improve. I'm a player that, that has always been told that I have to be a, a killer in front of goal, that I have to be selfish, that goals, it's goals, it's goals, it's goals. They were what make a difference and I think now he's starting to see which is something that happens with a lot of young players the team performance is the most important thing and as soon as a player realizes that without the team they won't achieve anything on their own that changes everything for a footballer. Armel how have you uh, interpreted Killian's evolution in in the uh, in the last year or two do you see him as a as a more complete player these days? It'd be it'd be nonsensical to to say no because he's such a brilliant footballer and you know his his goals prove it his assists prove it his uh, thirty five kilometer an hour sprints towards goal prove it but just to throw a cat among the pigeons I know uh, a few people believe this and I do sometimes feel this that his training alongside Neymar has ever so slightly slowed down his wish to go towards goal. If you can think back to the Mbappe of Monaco, who would pick up the ball and go boom, straight towards goal. That particular part of his game now, I feel, is less regular. There's a lot more kind of taking a touch, um, dwelling on the ball, making the defender come towards you and then a little flick, a little step over, which, of course, if it works, there's nothing wrong with because you eliminate a man and create space for your teammate. But I do sometimes just miss that little hint of spontaneity from Mbappe, the, the, the bang acceleration immediately to, to beat someone. But I mean, it, it'd just be stupid to even set the argument out there that Mbappe's not as good as he was at Monaco. He's a brilliant player now. No, but I think it's a good point. And I was, I was sitting next to you, Robbie, at the, at the Parc des Princes when PSG played Man United and uh, I was annoying you because I was sort of saying, oh, they're, 
you know, they're too slow in the build-up. And often it was Mbappe and Neymar who I felt were trying to do a lot and probably too much on their own and there'd be step overs and you know Killian I think was as guilty as anyone and he'd be coming back and that sort of plays into what to what Armel was saying and Tuesday night against Leipzig um, it's it's going to have to be a different story because if PSG don't win on Tuesday they're in real danger of uh, of going out absolutely huge night on Tuesday night um, they're three points behind Leipzig they're three points behind Manchester United they're sitting third or fourth depending on which league table you look at in, in Group H, but they've got the same number of points as and a better goal difference than Bashakshir. Yeah, everything's, if not on the line against Leipzig, then it will be a week later when, when Paris Saint-Germain travelled to Manchester United. Um, Thomas Tuchel has had problems, and we know and we've spoken about it so many times, about all these injury problems. It's not easy to put a team together on the pitch at the moment. Paris Saint-Germain aren't the only team in this situation either. We've seen Manchester United um, put five past Leipzig. We've then seen Bashankshire beat Manchester United. I think it's uh, this time it's there are upset results that happen, and and it's very hard at the moment to 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 put your finger on a result and say this is what's going to happen. You can't you can't do that at the moment this season. There are too many uh, variables to to take into account, and you've just got to be up on the night. A great team generally is up for the big match on, on the night. So let's hope Paris Saint-Germain are. Five defeats already this season, three in Ligue 1, two in the Champions League. Armel, we often say with PSG, we need to judge them on the Champions League performances. And in recent years, um, that's always been sort of, you know, exceptional in the group stages. They've just roared to, to, to victory in pretty much every group game. But that hasn't been the case this season. Is Thomas Tuchel uh, one or two defeats away from, from losing his job? Is he on lost time, on borrowed time? Uh Logic would would lead you to say yes, um, but the the one thing in in my mind that could you know uh, that could should we say save him if his job is under pressure, which we're to understand it is, and results would sway that way, is that um, that's you who understands it. Is yeah, not, not my, we. My as own in. opinion. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Last year, we, we hear less about it now, obviously, because results have been a bit difficult, but last year it really felt like it was the sort of uh, patriarchal uh, influence in a, in a whole Paris Saint-Germain family, something we really hadn't seen before under under Laurent Blanc, under Unai Emery, under Carlo Ancelotti. He seems to have a really good relationship with the players, and we know how much pull the stars at Paris Saint-Germain have when it comes to the club making decisions, so... Might that save Thomas Tuchel? I don't know. Either way, he needs to get results quickly because, you know, uh, two defeats and one win so far from the Champions League is not good enough for, for PSG. I don't think this is the season for, to, to, to sack coaches. Not, uh, not as easily as it perhaps it has been in past seasons. I I've, I've, would find it very hard to believe that Thomas Tuchel will be, will be sacked by Paris Saint-Germain this season. He's out of contract at the end of the year. Hmm. He's done a fantastic job. As Armel says, the players do like him. The results, he's got the runs on the board for for a cricket analogy. I mean, obviously, if they don't qualify from this group, this is their ninth consecutive Champions League campaign. The eight previous ones, they've all qualified from the group, as Matt said. So, look, it would be a huge blow, but they are clear at the top of the table and they're still in the hunt in the Champions League. So maybe people should just... uh, Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> We're calm. And look, yes, yes, of course, Paris Saint-Germain can beat Leipzig, should beat Leipzig. The good news for Paris Saint-Germain is that their skipper will be will be back. Marquinhos uh, was rested against Monaco, having been with the Brazilian national team. Um, 
He is Thomas Tuchel's main man. The coach has, has made that abundantly clear. He's explained that uh, as one of the main reasons why he wants him in midfield, being as influential as possible. I don't think there was any debate in the summer as to who would be the new captain after Thiago Silva left. It was an obvious choice. Um, we're talking about PSG quite a lot because this is a big moment in the season for Paris Saint-Germain and Robbie um, has been very active uh, behind Stepping the scenes. Up to the plate, he's stepped up to the plate <laughs> and he's asked Marquinhos. Yes, he's been chatting to Kylian and to Marquinhos and he asked Marquinhos about what it means to him um, to be the Paris Saint-Germain captain and how he goes about performing that role. I feel proud that I've been given this responsibility. Everybody knows that the captain has a very important role. So the fact I've been given the armband means that I've worked hard and I deserve it. That's why I'm so proud to be the captain of this team. As captain, you have this added responsibility. You have to think about what's best for the team, both on and off the pitch. There's a lot of things to look after, but it's all positive responsibility, and I like it. I'm a captain who leads by example. I try to get the team to follow my lead. Personally, I think that's the way a captain and a leader should act. He shouldn't just point players in the right direction and say, off you go, guys. He has to show how to do it. He has to be a guide for the team. I do my utmost both on and off the pitch to set the right example. I try to be humble and to work hard every morning, every day. I give everything in games and in training to show the young players and also the more experienced guys that we can learn from each other and also have a laugh with each other. Uh, Robbie, in interesting stuff from Marquinhos. Paris Saint-Germain have got various issues, I think it's fair to say, in various positions, but Marquinhos is just a pillar of, of strength and a great man to, to have in the team, isn't he? Absolutely. He's a fantastic leader. He's uh, alongside Marco Verratti, the longest-serving Paris Saint-Germain player. Verratti arrived as a 19-year-old a, a, a year before Marquinhos. Marquinhos arrived as a 19-year-old as well from, from Roma with braces and, and pimples. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. I remember his first training session as well. Um, Marquis is a great guy. I've seen him mature over the years from the, from the days of carrying on uh, like a little kid with, with Lucas in a dressing room that had the Thiago Mottas, the Maxwells, the Ibrahimoviches, to slowly becoming this Brazil international central defender for creating this partnership in the, in the national team and at Paris Saint-Germain in the centre of defence with Thiago Silva. And then last season as well, being used in this midfield role by, by Thomas Tuchel. Interestingly, Matt, um, and we didn't hear it in that grab, but Thiago Silva and Marquinhos spoke a lot about this transition, this pa passage of power from uh, from Thiago Silva to Marquinhos. And Marquinhos told me that Thiago gave him a whole lot of documents about being the captain. So to read through and to, to little things like, remember, you have to know, you have to do this, you have to be aware of this. And, and we spoke for a long time, nearly 40 minutes, the interview with Marquinhos, where he spoke about all the different things a captain has to do um, from checking on, you know, how the gardeners are going to the, the food in the canteen to to PSG TV and what's being posted and the image of the club, all, all of these things, as well as the other players about who's getting on with who, who's, how everyone's performing to their best, what problems they have off the pitch or, or on the pitch. All of this 
is part of the captain and and Marky is is very much up for taking it all on board it's a responsibility that i think he 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 thrives on i love the idea of marquinhos and thiago silva meeting up in the bread boulogne to hand over a briefcase uh, sunglasses uh, and chilby hats on. here <laughs> so, are your captain's documents yeah. so you're saying Rob Marquinhos has to play defence he has to play midfield he has to, to cook the meals in the, in the canteen yeah ab- absolutely mows the lawn prepare, prepare the lawn yeah put it, look awesome. after his kids homework as well because he's a good family man as well top no, man he is a good guy honestly yeah I mean and I've, on I've, the pitch in midfield Matt he is sensational last season <laughs> he was Paris Saint-Germain's best player probably he scored in the quarterfinal and the semi-final of the Champions League playing in midfield. He almost scored the equalising goal in the final, playing in midfield. He was superb. Now, I've, I've watched his evolution and admired his evolution for, you know, maybe from a bit further away um, than you, Robbie. And, you know, he is the sort of player that I would love to have in my team and that, mm. that a football club wants to have because he's just, he's just, he, he's wholehearted. He's, he's classy on the pitch and off it. And he's and, a good, he's, the other players like him. The other him. players like guy. him, yeah. 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 And defence or midfield, they missed him on Friday. He, he would have he would have hung about Fabregas and given him a lot less room. So, so I'm glad that for once we've agreed on something, guys. That's good news. We'll see how Paris Saint Germain uh, get on against uh, against Leipzig before playing Bordeaux next weekend. They may well have a title challenge on their hands because it is uh, it's getting a bit tighter at the top. Um, I had the pleasure of commentating Lille against uh, Lorient. On Sunday night, here's what happened at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. Araujo. Good switch of play. Braderich. Bomba. Good ball from Bomba. Yes, Itchy, surely. No. The flag is up. We found a lot of space there. Yusuf Yesichi Lorient's line catching him out. Well, no. He's not offside, and that, that surely will be a goal. And the goal will stand. A long wait for Yusuf Yazici. Lille have the lead, though. Now oh, here's David. David looks up. The cross for Yazici. Easy as you like. Yusuf Yazici has another one, and Lille do have that all-important second goal. Oh, Yazici getting the luck. Araujo getting the goal. 3-0. And there is no stopping this Lille side tonight. Difficult one that for Lemoyne. Great chance for Lille. Jonathan David, is this the moment? Jonathan David! He's done it at last. Yes, Jonathan David did it. He got that goal right at the end. And I tell you what, he really deserved it and um, played really well. I remember I commentated a Lille game at the start of the season. I thought, my goodness me, how have they spent 30 million on on, on this striker? He looked um, he looked sluggish. He, he looked low on confidence. Totally different uh, this weekend. Uh, Jonathan David looked sharp. He played for the team. He combined with his teammates. He passed when he when he should have passed. He shot when he when he was in a good position. He hit the post. He definitely deserved that goal. Um, and Lille are really impressive. Four 0 could have been seven or eight easily. Um, they were playing a very weak Lorient side, admittedly, but. Yeah, they, they're a real joy, joy to watch when they play like that, Lil. Yusuf Yazici started as the um, sort of number 10 just just off Jonathan David. They had uh, Bomber on, on the left, Luis Araujo on the right. Um, and so, you know, you take important players out of this Lille side and they were missing Celic, they were missing Jose Font, they were missing Renato Sanchez and Burak Yilmaz. Four really important players. They've and got, they had good players on the bench as they, well. They had yeah. good players on the bench. Solid absolutely. Absolutely. Iconi came on. Sumaro came on. Um, Sumare, sorry. 
And yeah, no, really impressive. So they had that blip, didn't they? They lost 3-2 in Brest. Mm. And we wondered, you know, is this, you know, is their title challenge that we bigged up going to fade away? But um, this weekend, Armo, you know, it looked like, it looked like this, yeah, this Lille team definitely means business. Oh, yeah. I mean, every single one of that 11, apart from maybe Mike Menyar, who didn't have too much to do, bar a brilliant save at the end of the first half. um, Every single player in that 11 had a cracker. I mean... Obviously, we're going to focus on the attacking players, but Sven Botman, he's better every week. What he's just, yeah, he's just huge, isn't he? At the and back, he's, and he's, he's so he just is so confident, so so assured. There were there were a couple of moments in the game where they uh, um, Cho- fo- Jose Font. focused in yeah. on Jose Font. It's just yeah. after this this just monstrous sliding tackle yeah. from Botman, and um, Font had these wide eyes, thinking, yeah. "Gosh, I'm not sure I'd do that at 36." Mm. But yeah, he's he's an absolute. Animal, but through to you know through to Araujo, uh, Bomber. These are all players just capable of beating one, two men in in the blink of an eye. And Yusuf Yazici, um, he reminds me a little bit of he's got some Dimitar Berbatov about him mm. in his way of just sort of you know nonchalance of just using the outside of his boot here. Have that cracking yeah. pass. He's some, some quality back heels last oh, night. Really, I mean, I'm mm. not a big fan of back heels, but there are there but are a it, couple. Interesting with Yazici, they're not really back heels. No, he exactly. uses they're, every part exactly. of his boot, yeah, kind yeah. of just like flexing it to get it in the in the right place. So, well, brilliant, brilliant player. He he's looking like yeah, and absolutely. I I've rarely been so happy for someone to score a goal than I was for for our man JD and in the 89th minute because he did everything else. He did everything else in that game. He he looked brilliant. He looked sharp. Um, it's just his his runs don't seem to be leading him towards goal yet, and I think that's just because he hasn't hasn't scored so far this season. So hopefully now that goal will be a bit like that's generally the sign of someone who's starting to hide a little bit, isn't it? And doesn't want to be but in those one on one situations. You, you look at his his touches when he is played through, and they don't look like a striker yeah. that's trying to hide. Cause no, he, I didn't think he was hiding yeah. last night, mm. and I think what was really interesting was the the reaction of of his teammates when he scored mm. because. Although everybody everywhere. was playing it down. Oh, of course, we're not worried about Jonathan. The goals will come. The goals mm. will come. You could see there were a couple of times in the second half, Jonathan Bomber could have could have played him through. And it was one of yeah, those where the yeah, pass yeah. was quite an easy one and he's overhit it. And you could see he was so angry with himself because he mm. could have played David in. And yeah, there was there was this real joy from the uh, from the Lille teammates, I thought. Mm. You know, and that translates to me that, you know, it was a big issue for Jonathan David to get that goal. Also, a bit of a you enjoyed the Folland finish against uh, PSG. Mm. Not too dissimilar. No, no kind exactly. Of, yeah. It, that, and again, not the signs of a, of a player lacking, lacking in confidence, confidence in front yeah. of goal to take the touch, beat the defender, and then floor the goalkeeper before finishing. Yeah, it's uh, more. It's more that they let the instinct take over. Mm, that they're mm. they're in a, a striker's position, and suddenly they f- they don't have time to think about it and all those things, and they do the little dummy, and they do everything that they 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 have the awareness around them of of how much time and space they have. All those things are, are instinctual for a, for a striker. Hopefully it'll be now like a diner bottle of ketchup. You know, you can smash in the bottom of it for, for three weeks and then it all comes out at once. And, but David will just start I said, scoring I said, goals. I, I said in the commentary, I reckon when he gets one, he'll be, he'll be up and running. Yeah. We'll, we'll have, well, to, wait we'll have to wait and see. Mm, yeah, exactly. the thing is, Armel, mm. who, who is Lille's best front four? I tell you, it, it's Front. a good job. It's a good job they're playing in Europe because he's going to rotate, of course, because Burak Yilmaz has been superb and you assume he's got to come back into the side. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, a, a brilliant problem that uh, Christophe Gautier has picking, picking his attacking line now because you, you cannot leave out Jonathan Bomber. He's been 
unbelievable so far this season and, and great for him because he had a difficult one last year. Luis Araujo would probably be the one that I would leave out. He's a little bit inconsistent, even if he is capable of, of, of brilliance, as we saw. But uh, who, who plays on the right then? Yazidji? I'd be tempted to, oh, I don't know, yeah, maybe put <laughs> Yazidji on the right and Barak Yilmaz and, 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 and JD up front. Um, because I, I was thinking it was getting to the point he was going to have to drop Jonathan David. He, he has left him out once or twice. Mm. Um, but that's why I think, you know, the goal's so big because there is huge competition for places. Yeah, yeah. Poor I, old Timothy Ware must just be wondering <laughs> when his chance is ever going to come. He played it right back at, at Brest uh, the week oh, yeah? before. Yeah. yeah. So at least he's getting game time. <laughs> Lorient, uh, Lorient uh, guys, they're going to be fighting for relegation this season. I mean, you know, it was it was very, very timid, that first half performance. Armel mentioned the save Mike Menon made from, from Johan Wisser. It would have been an absolute miracle had they scored and mm. gone in 1-1 at halftime because it frankly should have been 3 or 4-0 um, Christoph Pellissier has got, got a big job on his hands hasn't he they played with uh, Terra Moffi up top supported by Silva and Marvo Marvo hardly got a touch Moffi was uh, running hard but had no service mm. I'm guessing Adrian Gerbic is going to come back into the side He, I, I was looking at his stats he actually played three times for Austria during the international break and scored, in, scored yeah. in every game Um they need Gerbich to fire and I, I don't know, do they have the quality to, do they have enough players to, to stay up? I like the way they play football. I mean, we didn't get to see it this weekend, but I, I, I like the way they, they set up. It's uh, almost as good as their, their Breton neighbours, Brest. But for me, they just lack a bit of, of, of nous. Um If you take away Morel and Marvo, there's probably about 20 Ligue 1 appearances between the, between the rest of the squad and, uh, you know, when you've when you've got a battle, when you've got to really dig your dig your heels in and 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 grind out results, you need you need experience. And you know, mm. even if uh, uh, is it Laurent Abergel, yeah, that played. Yeah. You know, he's he has been at Marseille in the past, but he only played once or twice in Ligue 1. Uh, Trevor Chalabert is this is his first experience of top flight football. So you Lemoyne know, one on the bench, Fabien Lemoyne as well. I mean, they do have some players with. With experience. Mm. One thing they do have is a, a club and a culture and an experience of Ligue 1. And that mm. could be very important in, in helping them stay up. Fabulous, just very quickly then, story for the young man that came on at 34 years of age, yeah. Ergo, to play his first ever Ligue 1 match. Interestingly, and this is part of why this story is so incredible, he was at Luzernac with Policier, with Policier yeah. oh. when, they, when they missed out via the courts for being a village of 500 people playing in Ligue 2 about four or five years ago now. When they, they came up through the third division, they, they, they qualified. For, and then just the, the, basically the LFP said, I think uh, your, your, your village is too small, your ground is too small, There's, you, 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 you can't play in, in the second division, unfortunately. Yeah, all I could think about this player when he came on is that he he's called Hair Go and he's bald. He's yeah. you know he's, he's yeah. he certainly doesn't have too much hair. hair. Gone. The hair is hair gone. gone. Yeah. So yeah, How I didn't announce that. <laughs> I didn't say that in the commentary. That would have been unfair. But um, yeah, good little good little uh, um, great story tidbit from uh, from Robbie Thompson. Let's uh, stay in Brittany. Um, we're going to talk about Wren first of all. They are. Really struggling. So impressive in the uh, first month or two this season, but uh, their dismal form continued at home to Bordeaux on Friday night. David Cross and commentated this one. Hello, away from Camavinga. 
Ben Arthur. Ben Arthur works the shooting chance and scores against his former club. Well, Julian Stefan said he expected Ben Arthur to have a great game. In all truth, he hasn't had a great match so far, but he has opened the scoring and it's his first Bordeaux goal. Well, David Cross and I'm sure enjoyed uh, commentating that goal from the Newcastle legend that is Hatem Ben Arthur. Hatem getting a, a goal and a really important win that for, for Bordeaux. We're just going to talk uh, a little bit about Wren. It's now five defeats from their last six games. They've won one of their last eight um, I'm including the Champions League matches there against Chelsea and uh, Sevilla and uh, and Krasnodar, but um, they're 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 a, a pale imitation of the side we saw in the early weeks. What is what is going on there, Armel? In my opinion, there's a, a little too much resting on uh, an 18 year old's shoulders in the way they play. Um, I mean, he's been missing for a few games. He came back this weekend and I maybe came back a, a little too early. Um, he's not having the influence on games that we saw him have at the end of, well, throughout his career up to now. Are you going to tell us who you're talking about? Eduardo Camavinga, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's important yeah. to say the name, yeah. Apologies. But Ren do have Camavinga. six 18-year-olds. They do, they do, they do. And some some other very good ones. Absolutely. But, um, but he, you know, he's so important in their transition play um, in, in, as the French say, you know, Breaking, breaking through the lines himself, carrying the ball forward to, to transition from defence to attack. And it's just not quite working at the moment. The other players perhaps a little overplayed and the, you know, um, the, the options they have not as strong as uh, the options that, you know, we've mentioned Lille earlier when you bring on Flavian Tate and Romain Del Castillo with uh, all due respect to them because they're, you know, six, 65 times the players I'll ever be, but they're not quite the same level as bringing on a, a Jonathan Ikone at the end of the match and bringing on a Timothy Weyer that Rob mentioned. Um, so I think Wren is sort of realising their limitations this season currently. I think for me, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, of course, but don't underestimate the impact of a first Champions League campaign um, there are some players with experience in Zonzi who, who has experience at the highest level, obviously, but not many other players in that team have played Champions League football. They're up for it. Their families are up for it. It's the, the culmination of a career for many, not yet for Kamavinga, obviously, but for other players in that squad, this is the one they've been waiting for. They had a couple of changes as well. They had a difficult moment with them by Nyong and Rafinha leaving. They're... You know, that pumps a lot of energy, it's, it's emotional, and when you're concentrating so much and when you're losing in the Champions League, it's hard to pick yourself up on the weekend. And they're playing a lot of football, they're playing every week, and it's not as easy as that. No, and the busy schedule continues with a home game against Chelsea on Tuesday, followed by a trip to Strasbourg um, at the weekend. I just have a word on the league table, Matt, because we were talking about Lille, who are up into second, two points behind Paris. Marseille have two games in hand, and so do Lens. And if they win them, Marseille move equal top. Well, they can't both win both because I think Marseille play Lens. But uh, if Lens win both, they move second, just a point behind PSG. And if Marseille win both, well, they move equal with PSG at the top of the standings. So just a, an interesting no, point. No, it is interesting. Uh, 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 a Lens P in particular, that's incredible. A PSG worried about, about Marseille's challenge? I think, well, my point... Also being that everyone's saying Thomas Tuchel is, is rubbish, everyone's saying Rudy Garcia is rubbish, everyone's saying Andre Villas-Boas is rubbish, it won't be long before Julian Stefan 
is in trouble for being rubbish. And these are not just rubbish coaches. They're all coaches that have done fantastic things in their careers, are doing, working very hard to turn things around at the moment. And not everyone can be rubbish. You can't only have Christophe Galtier and Nico Kovac this week who are excellent coaches. It, it's, you know, yes, there are, we can demand things of coaches and playing staff. We can expect certain things, but we can also expect that sport is sport. And the beauty of it is that you never know what is going to happen. So just enjoy it. Yeah, well. That a little coup de gueule? Almost. That was almost, almost. A, <laughs> almost a coup de gueule. Robbie Thompson on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with uh, BT Sport. You also have to acknowledge that certain towns have a, a genuine football culture like like Marseille. Um, Saint-Étienne. And Saint-Étienne. And nice. Brest, and we're going we're gonna to come on to Brest. And there was a certain comment from from Leonardo that didn't sit too well with the PSG fans. Um, if you missed that, Leonardo mentioned that that Marseille has a a real football culture, and that Paris uh, um, has to acquire that, and that there's lots there's lots else to do in 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 Paris. Although there's plenty to do in Marseille as well. But perhaps this is a discussion for another day. Um, I mentioned that we're going to talk about Brest. Before we move on to Brest, um, who got another terrific win, it's it's a time for the Deja Vu because um, we like to get our, our loyal listeners involved. We had a Deja Vu last week. You had to guess which player. It could be a current or former Ligue 1 player that we're talking about. And this was the clue. I'm from the Paris region but made my name at Lille. I eventually played for PSG. I played in Giallo Rossi and Blaugrana. And now I just play in blue. And this wasn't in the clue, but he, he um, contributed two more assists at the weekend. And I'll tell you what, he's doing very well. Uh, congratulations to the uh, listeners who got the right answer. Luca Digne, the Everton left back. Habib Bar was right. Adam Cyrilnik, Joe McCall, Liam Wraith, Chris. Uh, sorry, I've, I've, I genuinely need to get glasses. I've got real problems um, at the moment with my eyesight. I'll try and You've get got- that sorted for next week. Chris Marchinak. Chris Marciniak. Chris, I'm really sorry, but I'll get those glasses sorted. I'm trying to read this on my phone. You have glasses, don't you? No, well, I lost them oh. and my eyesight, I think, has deteriorated further. And so maybe I... you haven't lost them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. Anyway, I, I'm going to be able to read this Deja Vu. Um, so here we go. This is this week's clue. If you think you know the answer, you can email us league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. So here we go. I came through at the same club where Raphael Varane made his name first. I've played in France, just outside France, Spain and Italy, and I'm in Spain now. I'm a midfielder who's represented two countries at senior international level. Interesting. Ian Holyman with uh, a very good a very good deja vu. If you think you know, email us. League One Podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. As promised, we're going to talk Brest. Um, we've mentioned this season we like the way they play football and they played some terrific football against Saint Etienne this weekend. Ian Holyman was the commentator. Migos Roman Fev. Lovely ball. Great speed as well about this Brest counter attack. Cardona. Here's Honor. Goes for goal! Oh, and a brilliant strike by Frank Honora. The former Saint-Étienne man with an absolutely stunning goal. Oh, brilliant header. An absolute bullet of a header from Jean-Kevin Duvern. And Brest have a 2-0 lead. 
Good ball in, and it's in there. Not quite sure how. Camera, I think, has bundled it in at the back post. There's a lot of space for Fev. Cardona's there, and it's 3-1. And Brest hit back almost immediately. That's another lovely ball, and Cardona lunging in. Pell, and it comes again, and Mooney, and that's four. Brilliant stuff from Brest. What a first half. Armel. Yep. 4-1, seven defeats in a row for Saint-Étienne, but we're going to talk about Brest, who uh, they play good football under Olivier Deloglia. We've, we've talked about it before, and it was certainly apparent, uh, four goals all in the first half this weekend. Yeah, and Rob, who was uh, talking about, you know, not, not knocking coaches, this is a coach that doesn't get any of the limelight in, in Ligue 1, but uh, if you cast your mind back to when he was Dijon coach in their first season in, in, in the top flight, it was the same thing. He sets his teams out to play brilliant, brilliant football. You look at their starting eleven on on uh, was it Saturday or Sunday, either way, this weekend. And probably the best-known player is Harris Belkebler, who's best known for getting his bottom out and missing out on the uh, African Cup of Nations as a result. So, you know, no star names, <laughs> but uh, terrific performance. Uh, always, always going forwards. Um, they, you know, they've got defenders scoring for them. This week, it's Jean-Kevin Duverne. Last week, it was Ronald Pierre-Gabriel. Irving Cardona's got speed. Steve Mounier's got power. Uh, Franck Honorat is is a uh, sort of busy sort of player. Roma Fevre is just brilliant across that that uh, midfield attacking line. It's it's a team I really really enjoy watching. And against a very poor Saint Etienne, they they were brilliant. Yeah, Perrault very good as well. Roman Perrault the left yeah. back. It's been the an absolute back. revelation this I season. I saw Fev play for the the France under twenty ones against Switzerland uh, last midweek. Fantastic three two victory um, or three one. For France, three one, three one, and uh, Fev was awesome down the right hand side as well. He these these players, and I think you talk about the coach and what he can do. Paul Lan is a, a player who's just looked out of sorts for for two or three years now. He comes into this side and he's starting to look look the player. Mounier, we haven't seen him for for a long time in France. He's been obviously in England, but doing it tough by all accounts. He looks good, but Fevre and Perrault down that left-hand side, excellent. And you can bring the best out of these young players, get the best out of experienced players, give them a new lease on life. Everything is, is rosy there at Brest. Yeah, and you need a bit of courage as well to have a, you know, this small budget, players who don't, you know, don't necessarily have big, big names or much league and experience, to play a 4-4-2 like they do. Cardona playing off for Mounier is a nice sort of big, big man-little man partnership. Um, they get crosses, they get the forward, they get the full-bats forward. And uh, yeah, they haven't drawn any games. They either win or they lose. They're it's Lorient esque. It's Lorient esque, but they're but but they're getting the results. And uh, next up for Brest, I'm just looking ahead to the uh, to the fixtures and can't they're seem to see Brest. They're away at Met, so a game that they're capable of winning. But yeah, Met's, Met's mid-table, Met's, yeah, Met's, Met's going quite good. well. Shall we look ahead to to next weekend? Uh, some big Champions League games before then, but. Uh, uh, Ligue 1 resumes on Friday night. We've got Strasbourg against Rennes. You can watch that one on BT Sport uh, in the UK. 8pm UK time, 9pm in France. Marseille against Nantes. Marseille haven't played much recently with their games uh, getting postponed, but they play Nantes at 5pm uh, on Saturday. That's 4pm on BT Sport in the UK. PSG versus Bordeaux. Saturday night. Will PSG start getting the jitters? Watch that 8 p.m. in uh, the UK on BT Sport. 
Nine o'clock here in France. Sunday's games, Lyon versus Reims, Monaco versus Nîmes, Nice versus Dijon, and Saint-Étienne against Lille. Saint-Étienne will not be uh, fancying that one after seven straight... Eight now, no? Defeats. Seven, seven straight defeats, I think, for Les Verts. Guys, let's, uh, let's have, a, have a look at those games, have a think about where, where we'd like to go. It's time for a Bon Voyage. I'm going to head to the Stade de la Minot, Strasbourg-Rennes. I think it's a big match for Rennes. I think there's pressure starting to build on them. Their, their key last season, I think, was, was a coach, a good young coach who managed to get the best out of his players. He's not getting the best out of them at the moment. Um, Camavinga's return should be obviously a, a big positive there, but um, interesting to see how they bounce back. And Strasbourg. What is going on at Strasbourg at the moment? They're playing such good football. They're scoring goals. They're, you know, at home, they're, they're tough to beat. I think they could really give Ren a run for their money and they need a result desperately. So I'm looking forward to that one. Armel? Um, I quite fancy being on the Côte d'Azur with that double header on Sunday. Be greedy and go to two games, uh, Monaco and Nice. Uh, nice. You have to be quick in between. It's not far it's not Monaco far, to Nice, yeah. but you have to be quick. Well, you've got about 10 minutes, haven't you? Because it's <laughs> yeah. Monaco, Monaco, Monaco it's Nice about 45 at 3pm, Nice Dijon at 5pm. That's all right. I'll park the helicopter just next to the stadium. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see how, how Nice uh, deal with you know their latest batch of uh, big COVID-positive tests and come back from that against a poor Dijon side. And also interested to see if um, Cesc Fabregas makes the starting eleven as Monaco host Nîmes. He definitely deserves it, in my opinion. See if Monaco can follow up and keep the pressure on the the Lils and the PSGs of this Ligue 1 world. Yes, I'm 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 a bit tired, so I'm just going to go to the Parc des Princes for PSG Bordeaux. It was four three last season. It was a cracking game. Um, Hatem Ben Arfa back against his former team. Uh, there could be there could be fireworks. Armel, by the way. Um, cheekily staying down on the Cote d'Azur because he's actually heading down there. We've got some big interviews coming up. Um, it was it was great to have Robbie's chats with, with Marquinhos and Kylian Mbappe. You can listen to the to those interviews on our on our platform at La Bo- at La Bourgeois. And we're going to have I'm going to be speaking to Kevin Vollen, the uh, the star of the moment in in Monaco. Um, he's having a chat with Jeffrey Adelaide in uh, in Nice. So um, exciting times, and we'll be bringing you uh, all the best uh, best moments from those chats. Uh, between Armel and some of uh, some of the Côte d'Azur's biggest football stars. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Le Bourgeois. It's been an absolute pleasure um, to, to bring you all the latest from France's top tier. We'll be back again, same time, next week. Until then, bye-bye. See you again soon. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And Bagnon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Dolberg. Oh, Benedetto. Beautifully done, sensational.